Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, welcome back to the program. My guest today is Eden Strader, a recovering destination wedding photographer turned creative entrepreneur coach and a superstar in her own right and also my oldest daughter. We chat about the journey from rock bottom several years ago to now living her best life on her terms. All right, Eden Strader, badass of all badasses. That's not what they call me, but thank you. Who's they? I don't know. I think that I, one might just be you, but I'm going to take it. I'm a they, and I just called it to you, so they do call you that, so suck Perfect. it. Perfect. Okay, cool. So welcome back to the program. Two years ago, you were here. Was it two years ago? It's been two years. It was right before you moved to LA. So it was before the pandemic. It was the start of it. You and I started oh, the that's pandemic. that's weird. Yeah. That's really weird. That's so that was so a big, big about. life move. Yep. You were there for 18 months? -ish. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I think actually exactly 18 months because I moved there in March and I moved out in September. Yeah. Now you live in Brooklyn. Mm hmm Another big, massive move. Probably and my biggest yet, actually. Biggest yet or not the biggest yet? No, I think that's the, I mean, it was That is the country. biggest. That was yeah. huge. Mm hmm Okay, yes, we talked about this when we were in New York and I'd said something and I almost felt poetic about when you were moving to Los Angeles, you were running away from mm -hmm. your past life because for various reasons and we can go into that if you want or not yeah, and then when you're going to new york you're running to something and you had like an aha feeling i think correct me if i'm wrong yeah no i think like um new york has kind of always been my dream since i like first came here when i was 17 i came here for my senior trip and i've always wanted to live here um and so when i moved to la i was between new york and la but I hadn't, I didn't really have any connection to LA. I hadn't really been there at all. I just moved there on a feeling like it felt like I needed to be there. And in hindsight, I think that was to like meet my people. I made some of my best friends like out there ever. Um, and so I think I was meant to be there for that time. I also think it would have been really hard to live here during the beginning of the pandemic alone, but yeah, the move to LA was very like frantic, both with the pandemic starting in, yeah, like you said, like I had just gotten a divorce. I think my divorce had gone through like a month and a half before. Um, and so it just felt like a very frantic, like we need to get out of here and start again type of thing. Like I just needed to get out of Utah. Um, whereas the move to New York city was more like my lease was ending. I was thinking about extending because I, I didn't love LA, but it's like, I had so many friends there. It was comfortable. Um, so I was thinking about staying there and then I was like, no, I think it's just like, it's time. Um, and so the New York move felt more like running towards something that I had always dreamed of rather than like away from something, which I think honestly is probably the first time I've really done something that big for myself ever. Like, well, that, that felt exciting. That like was for like something better rather than, yeah, again, like trying to get away from something not good. That's a huge deal to, I mean, New York's, I, I didn't, I'd not, I had not been to New York until we were quote unquote helping you find your place, which we were just watching you find your place. We weren't helping you. Yeah. It's a big 
that's a different planet. I think when I first came here, I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I, I love working. I like love the hustle of things. I love like really high energy things. And so I think even when I first came here, I just like loved the energy of the city, which I will say, I think New York city is kind of a polarizing city where like, you either really like it or you really don't like for some people, it's just way too much. There's too much going on. It's too loud. It's too dirty. Whereas like, I loved it here. Even when I came when I was 17 and it really is like the first place I've ever traveled to other than Switzerland that like felt like home. Like it felt more comfortable being here in this city than like, I would say it ever even did like in Utah. It was one of those like weird things that I don't think people get to experience very often. And I haven't experienced very often that like I came here and I was like, no, it just feels like I'm supposed to be here. Um, and even when I've been here for work or like the last two years, I was coming here like every other month because the person I was dating was from here. Um, it just felt like it was where it was supposed to be. It felt so comfortable. Like it never felt like I was on vacation. Um, and so because of that, like it was moving here was scary, but I was like more scary in excitement. Like it was more like anticipation than it was like actual nervousness. Cause I was just like, Oh my gosh, it feels like everything's supposed to be, has like been leading to this. Um, and New York is kind of notorious for being like a city that like spits you or like chews you up and spits you out. Like moving here, everyone was like, just, so you know, it's going to be really hard. And like adjusting here is really hard. And I've met a bunch of people that just moved here as well that have been like, I hate it here. This has been so tough. It's as tough as everyone says. And it, it hasn't been tough for me, which I'm really grateful for, but I'm like, this has been the easiest move of my life. Like it's just felt like home, like immediately. Why do they say it chews you out? What's the, what's the big adjustment to that city? I think it's just like, it's just an aggressive city. Like it really is like, it's very hustly. It's hard to find your people. There's millions of people here and yet you can feel really alone. It's loud. It's like the weather can be bad. Like I know one girl I met, like she just like keeps getting parking, parking tickets. And then her car immediately got towed. It's just like a city where stuff can just kind of like continually happen to you. Or like my friend Sophie visited here and I think it was her I can't remember if it was her first time or not. No, I don't think it was, but no, it might've been, but we were like walking around and it's like something super magical will happen. And then you'll turn around and like someone who's either like on drugs or experiencing homelessness. Like we literally were like, wow, this is so magical. And then this person experiencing homelessness, like ran up to us and started screaming in our faces. And it's like the juxtaposition of the city. There's not like a lot of just like balanced energy here it's either like so magical and you're just like in on it's like the movies or it's like really aggressive and like can be kind of scary or like jarring um so it's like a city that not a lot of people love like well no a lot of people love it but like it's easy for it to be kind of controversial and how you feel about it just because it is so extreme I didn't sense that extreme I and it all seems to work nobody's bump nobody's not nobody's looking where they're going but nobody's bumping into each other yeah. It's like a very, I mean, you can always tell, like I have some friends that live in Midtown, which I only go to Midtown to see those friends because it's where like the tourists are. It's like a really touristy part of Manhattan. Um, but you can always tell who the tourists are because they are like blocking the sidewalks or like walking really slow. They're or, looking like, up because they're taking it all in, <laughs> yeah. not looking down. Yeah. Cause it's like, the city is very much like a, you have a place to go and you're going to get there. And like, everyone is like on their schedule. They're getting to where they need to go. It's kind of, of systematic. Yeah. It's a very like career driven city. Um, so yeah, it can be kind of jarring. I think to people that it's like, yeah, say you are brand new here and you don't know how to work the subway station and you were alone. 
it's going to be a little harder to find someone to help you, um, like find your way around. Cause it's not like people are standing around, like trying to be friendly or make friends. Like they're just on their mission to get where they're going. And if they miss a train, then they're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. That too. <clears throat> All right. So for most of your career, you were a destination wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you are, I call you, you're a creative coach for, you're a life coach for creatives in that industry, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say like a, like a business coach for creative entrepreneurs. Why the switch? Um, It kind of started like halfway through my wedding ph- photography career. We I kind of just started teaching like by happenstance, like a couple people would ask if they could do mentoring sessions to learn from me. And so I kind of started like dipping my toe into it that way. Um, and then right before the pandemic was when I started like really launching courses and like taking it a little bit seriously, but even then it was probably like 70% weddings, 30% education. Um, and after my divorce, I, I was already taking less weddings just cause I was like, they were hard naturally to shoot when you're like in the middle of a divorce. Um, and then the pandemic hit not like a fraud. It was just like emotionally hard to take in. Like, it was just hard to be like happy and cheery and like, as like, ah, this is the best day ever. When you're like, mourning your marriage falling apart. Yeah. Um, and like my marriage was falling apart during like my busiest season. And so, I already kind of knew that I wanted to take the next year kind of slow. So I only had, I think like, I think I had less than 10 weddings booked in 2020, um, intentionally so that I could like give myself time to like, not feel overwhelmed. Um, and then obviously the pandemic hit and most of those got canceled or rescheduled. Um, and so in the pandemic, I was like, okay, well, I still have to make money. Like I've moved to LA, which is a very expensive city to live in. I had a rent that was like double my mortgage for something, you know, one tenth the size. Um, and so I was like, okay, we like have to do something and we can't do weddings. And so I was like, okay, we already have like education kind of built up. Let's see what we can do with that. And so in 2020, that's kind of when I took things, um, really seriously as far as education goes. And we launched programs and we got things built up that way. And so that way after 2021, I, I finished all my last weddings last year. And I just kind of realized that, um, anyone in the wedding industry can vouch that like weddings are really tough emotionally, just like, regardless, like they're, it's just a lot of like emotional work just because you're part of something so big, so intimate and so emotional. And so if you're not like a hundred percent into them, it's not worth doing because it's just draining. And I also just don't think it's fair to your clients if you're not like a hundred percent invested. And I could just tell that I wasn't anymore. And I was feeling really fulfilled by the education side of things. And so last year we wrapped up, I wrapped up my last of my weddings. Um, and so this is our first time full-time as an educator. Um, And I've loved it. Like, I feel like that's kind of where my passion is right now. And I think one of the things that has really driven that passion is like, I was able to leave my marriage and like start my life over again because of my business. Um, Like my divorce wiped out my bank account. I mean, I think you remember there was a time where I had, I think I had $200 in my savings account after my divorce, like a hundred or $200. Like I just got swept out. Um, And the only reason, you know, I was able to, to start again and move to LA and do all these things was because I had built myself a business that like sustained me and sustained me well, not even just like bare minimum, but like earned me good money. Um, and so it's been really beautiful. I think my business has played just such a pivotal role in my personal fulfillment, but also giving me like the financial means to take care of myself and provide myself a really good life. And it's been really 
magical and like fulfilling to be able to help people do the same. Um, cause I want them to not just build a good business to be like a good business owner, but to be able to, you know, like cheesy as it is, but like live the life of their dreams. Cause I don't think I could have done this had I not had my business. Let's do a little side note here. Let's just talk some practicality. How big is your apartment in Brooklyn? 450 square feet. 450 square feet. And your rent on that is what? $3,500. $3,500. Okay. Just as a comparison, my house <laughs> in Utah County is 4,000 square feet, 4,200 square feet on oh 0.39 acres. And my mortgage is like $2,000 just for those yeah. in comparison. Yeah. That's mind blowing to me. Yeah. Well, and I live, a I live in a luxury apartment. I will say that like it is expensive. Um, like this is a luxury building and I, I was really excited about that. And I wanted to like treat myself to a year of like just living really nicely in New York. But I will say, I mean, notoriously the city in general is very expensive. Like even my friends who live in really tiny, like rundown buildings and their apartments are my size. They're still paying $2,000 a month for like 400 square feet. Um, and like no windows. Location, location, location. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about your your career and and, and maybe we let, let me, let's touch on back in high school when you said, "Mom, I want to be a photographer." And mm-hmm. what did she say to you? I think she told me to stay in college. Stay in college because there's no money in art. Yeah, she something said there's like no that. money because like I was a graphic designer. She's an yeah. art teacher, and we were mm-hmm. we were doing okay, but we weren't killing it. Yeah. And what did you think when she said that? I think, I mean, I did take it seriously in the fact that I did work my corporate job for like a little bit while building up my career. Um, And I was kind of at the front end of, I wasn't like in this industry before it got big, but I was like in the, I was getting started in the industry as it got like really big because the photography industry specifically is definitely like so different than it was like a decade ago. And I started like seven years ago. Um, and I like, remember thinking that was valid. And I think that's why I stayed at my full-time job for a while while I got my business off the ground. Um, and I think something that's been like always a part of my personality and like still is, is that like, I'd rather try and fail than just like never try it at all. Um, and so when I got so busy with my photography and was still working my full-time job, I was going to school at the same time. And I was like, okay, well, like there's literally not enough time in the day to sustain both of these things. Like the photography business had gotten so big that I was like, I literally have to choose one. So why would I choose to work this corporate job that I don't like when like go to school for something I'm not passionate about when I have this thing that I love and it's obviously doing well enough, like what if I just give it my all and see what happens? And so I think like something else that's like important with anyone taking advice from anyone is I wanted to be a full-time photographer. Mom's not a full-time photographer. So even though I like listened to what she was saying and took it seriously, I still took it from a grain of salt because you you really only want to listen completely to the advice of people who are where you want to be. And so to me, it was like, well, you've never done that. I'm going to do it. Like, um, whereas, you know, if someone who had gone full-time with photography had sat me down and been like, don't do that, like go to college, I probably would have been like, Hmm. <laughs> uh Oh <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've heard that a lot recently is that seek advice from those who are where you want to be or have done what you want. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously there is good counsel from people who haven't done everything, but it's mm-hmm. more legit. Yeah. From my perspective, you're, you got successful very fast. And I, you know, 
people would call that overnight success, but no, it's not. You busted your butt all the time. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, because within a few years, you were had this massive following. So what do you think? Was there a magic thing? or What, what do you attribute to that success? I think it's funny because like in my head, I always feel like I haven't had overnight success and I've watched other people have overnight success. And I'm like, why did they get this so quickly when I've been working towards it in years? Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I think that's like a huge misconception in the world we live in now. It's so easy to like look on. So, I mean, obviously like you see my life in a more personal context, but like, say we're just talking like someone you don't know that well, like social media can make it look like people did have overnight success through that. It only took like, you know, a couple months to build a six figure business or like, I know this girl that launched her company during the pandemic, like literally, I think like halfway through 2020 and she's already a millionaire. And it's so easy to look at people like that and be like, I've been busting my ass. Like, how am I not getting that? When in reality, it's like, she was too. She was too. And like, some people are just on on different timelines. And so I think, yeah, it's, I mean, it's always like a good reminder when I look at those people and I'm like, how did they do that so fast? I'm like, shoot, there's probably people that look at me and say, how did she do that so fast? When in reality, it's felt like I've done this just brick by brick by brick. It's never felt like I had a felt like it breakthrough. It felt like it because it's what you did. Not yeah. Like yeah. Not because I felt like, cause I have been building it brick by brick. And I think in this like very content driven, social media driven world we live in, you don't get to see those bricks being laid. You just see the house up one day. And like when in reality behind the scenes, like I was working, I mean, you guys now I was working from 2015 until basically the pandemic, I was waking up every day and immediately working and then working until I went to bed. Like I was probably working like, and then I was shooting weddings on every weekend. So it was like, I probably was working like 80 hour weeks for five years. Like I was working That's so def- much. That's, that's the definition of overnight success. 80 hour weeks is 80 hour weeks. Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't know if you've seen the meme where it's like, I quit my nine to five because I was sick of working 40 hours a week. So now I'm self-employed and I work 24 seven and it's like, yeah, it's taken a long time. (laughs) Grandpa says when you become, when you're, when you run your own business, you can work all the 27 hour days you want. Yeah, no, that's kind of how it was in the beginning. And I think like, especially people I talk about a lot on my platform now, how like the last two years I was really, I was really able to take a lot of time off, like up until moving to New York. Like I really was only working a couple hours a week. Like there were weeks that were an exception that I would work a lot, but like for 20, all of 2020 and most of 2021, I barely worked. And like for a lot of people that were newer to my platform, I think they thought that that was like something I'd built overnight or like even still people would be like, yeah, how many hours do you work a week? And I'm like, oh, genuinely like not that many. Like I don't work that much. And I think it's easy for people to be like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. Like that must be why people love being self-employed. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's because I basically worked those hours in advance. Like I probably worked 10 years and five years in order to sustain this life. Yeah. When we associate how many hours you work with success too, which Mm -hmm. is, is, is dumb as well. Yeah. And it's like, some people might get lucky breaks. Like I know people that do genuinely almost have overnight success and that's so cool. But I think also there needs to be this understanding that like, if you're not seeing overnight success, 
you're not alone in that. Like even the business owners that you see that maybe aren't working as much now, or they do have their business, like where you want it to be, where you want yours to be. Like they probably put in the work that you are doing right now. They probably just did it earlier. I think there needs to be a social platform called behind the scenes. Yeah. And you're only allowed to put the grind videos of the crap, the stresses, the, that would be cool. Obviously it's not going to happen probably, but you could, we, we, maybe we should post more of this shit sucks. Yeah. yeah well, I think of, so social really media relate. is you're like kind of going in that direction, to be honest. Like, I think people are getting a lot better about that. And like, Being that's real. one of the things Yeah, that I've been trying to do on my platform is like, yeah, I'll post about like how, you know, like last year when me and Emily got to go to Hawaii for a month, like I'll talk about how I worked, you know, an hour or two a week or a couple hours a week and still earned lots of money. However, I'll also post about like this week I've been hustling a lot. Cause I like, I'm taking the last week of the month off and we're like launching new things. Um, so I've been working like 10 hour days, which is actually, I have had a lot of fun just cause I love my job, but like trying to show both those things and also trying to show like, yeah, there are days where like, you know, we get a ton of money coming in and a ton of invoices being paid. And then there are months where like, there was a month earlier this year that I didn't pay myself. I only could afford to pay my assistant because no money had come in and we had just paid all the taxes. Um, and so I think it's, people are trying, I think to get a little bit more authentic with it and like show what actually happens. Cause I do think people think that small business owners or self-employed folk are always having repeated success every single month when in reality, it's just like a roller coaster. Like some months are really good and some months are not as good. And, um, you know, people also have personal lives that affect them. And I think people are getting a lot better at kind of showing both edges of that. Which is more, you become more relatable Mm -hmm. because it's easy to see these gurus selling you a course and you can't identify with them. You don't see all the crap and the backstory and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why I think it's important to show both aspects that you're like, you do understand what it's like to be like, cause that's my thing is like, I'm a coach. And if I had never struggled to build my business, I probably shouldn't be teaching you a struggling business owner, how to build yours better. Like if I just got right, it's like if Donald Trump who got that small loan of a million dollars was coming to me being like, Oh, I get it. Like, let me help you. I'd be like, no, you you, you don't get it. (laughs) There's no no bootstraps, shoestring. Yeah. I'm like, you don't, you've never been in my shoes. And so I think it's, especially as a coach, I think I've had to like get really open about like the struggles that I've faced building my business. Cause I want to show people like, no, I know what it's like to again, have like $200 in my savings account and then build it back up from scratch with my business. Um, and so I think that that open honesty is like really key and one people feeling less alone, but also you like running a successful business. Are most of your clients now right around your age or, or, or people my age contacting you? Both. Um, I have like a coaching client and they're like middle-aged or like I have coaching clients that are my age, or sometimes I'll have coaching clients a little bit younger than me. Um, but it, it has been, it's been fun and also like interesting. I have to do like a lot of mindset work when my coaching clients are older than me. Cause I'm always like, who am I to be teaching people older than me? Like what to do? You're um, a child. What the hell do you know? But you're, yeah. if, if you were like a general life coach, I might, that question might have more merit, but since you, whereas I think since you're in your industry and you have experienced that in your industry, that totally mm-hmm. makes you valid, more valid yeah. than if you were just like, Hey, I know all these life skills and I'm 20. Well, and I think that's the thing is I think age 
can be a factor to a certain extent, but I also think like people love to use age as like a reasoning why people might not be mature, might not know what to do, or might not be able to give advice. But it's also like, I know 16 year olds that have been through way more than I have in 27 years, like, or I think age can play a factor, but like it, it isn't like an end all be all like there are, you know, 20 year olds that have probably been through more than I ever will in my entire life. And so, and I know like, that was like one thing too, is like after my divorce, if I'd like be trying to get advice from someone on something and they'd be like, Oh, don't worry about it. You're just a kid. And I'd be like, no, I, I get that. I'm only 24, but I also just got out of a four year marriage. Like I'm not a child. Like I've owned a home. I've like been married. Like I think people like to view age as just like quite literally a number when in reality, like, unfortunately trials aren't trials and experiences aren't doled out based on age. Yeah. So like, it's not a reasoning to justify why someone can't speak on something just because they're so and so old. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I know that there's lots of discussions about you aren't, you aren't a ex whatever so you have no right to speak I'm like nah, i don't know if i agree with that you can speak on whatever yeah. you want yeah i'm like you can always speak on your own experiences yeah. and i think that's what's key is it's like yeah if i tried to give advice to someone on raising children right now please tell me to shut up i've never raised a kid like i don't i don't know but like i can speak on the things that i've personally experienced yes well you have your your child your four-legged child I have my furry child. Your furry child. From what I've heard, it's not the same as a human one, though. So I think it's more effort, honestly. The times <laughs> I've watched your dog, more effort than a human child, really. She, she she's awesome, whatever. but she's she's high maintenance mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Yep. What are some of the biggest obstacles that, or maybe the question is, life and I used to be that way too. Um, and I always joke, like there's something beautiful about rock bottom because I, I am convinced I've already hit it. Um, like I was at rock bottom for a bit, a few years ago and I lost everything. And now taking big risks is like a lot less scary because I'm like, oh, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. Like what's the worst that's going to happen to me? And I know that's like a huge privilege too, right? Like the fact that I have you guys that like, you know, if my business tanks, I can come live in your home. Some people don't have that option. Um, so I know I'm really lucky in the fact that like, I do have a backup plan and the fact that like, I have a family home I could go to if I lost everything. But, um, I think, I think just getting really comfortable with being uncomfortable has been like the biggest thing with building my life. Cause it's just like, I mean, it's like the tale is all this time, right? Like nothing changes if nothing changes. Like if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, your life's going to stay the same. And so if you do want something bigger, better, different, you have to come to terms with the fact that you're going to have to do something really uncomfortable. Um, and I think I've gotten a lot better at, I used to put that off for a long time. Cause I'd be so scared to make a big decision or scared to change something or scared to be uncomfortable. Whereas now I'm like, Ooh, I almost get like more excited. Like if something feels scary or I feel uncomfortable, I'm like, this probably means something really big and cool is coming. It's an interesting psychological place because by nature you want, you work hard so your life can be easier Mm -hmm. and, and, and being comfortable scares me because I am afraid I won't grow if Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable. Yeah. And I'm still trying to get out of my mental zip code that I, changed about five years ago and it's a constant battle 
You yeah, I think like I don't want. Yeah, I, I think want like this is, this is awkward. Ah, it feels icky, but it's necessary, and you can use the weight training, you know, physical exercise analogy all day long about nothing grows without the resistance, mm-hmm. and the cliche thing. Yeah, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So cliche, but so freaking true. Yeah, well, and I think that's like the fear used to be changing things. Whereas like my fear now is like complacency and mediocrity. Like I don't want, like I'm about to turn 27 this year. And when I'm 30, I don't want to look back and be like, wow, nothing changed in the last three years. Like that's so boring. (laughs) Like I don't want to be the exact same person in three years that I am right now. And I'm definitely not the same person I was two years ago. Like I want to keep pushing forward. I want to see what I'm capable of. And that doesn't mean that you can't like, I think it's also very important to walk a fine line with that because you don't want to like push it so hard that you never appreciate where you are now. Um, And so like, that's something that I've tried to be very intentional and mindful of is celebrating and like being really grateful for where I am now and what I've built and being okay with the fact that if I never build more than this, that is okay. But I want to push myself as a human to grow, whether that is emotionally, financially, mentally, whatever, because it's like, even if I, you know, take a big financial risk, like starting a new company, if it fails, yeah, I maybe failed financially and didn't grow financially, but I'll have grown emotionally. Like that will take a lot of emotional growth and like persistence in order to do that. And so I think just, again, being comfortable with being uncomfortable is like how you're going to keep progressing. Amen, sister. Tell me about some of the things you're working on some of the collabs you're doing, you know, with your friends, Mr. Seth Sanker for one, or is that? Yes. No. So that's, that's launching June 1st is our official launch date for our new company that we're starting. Um, is it classified? I, What's it called? I can share a little bit of it. It's called lovers. It's L U V R S. Um, and of course I can you share a little bit it on normally. it. Is that what no, it's gotta be fun. Um, but yeah, I, I think I've been very hyper-focused for a long time on growing my business, my like photography business or my coaching business. And I actually had a podcast interview on my podcast uh, with this guy, Jai Long. Um, and he was talking about how he's like a serial entrepreneur and he owns all these different businesses. And he was talking about how like people can sometimes get a little closed-minded on how they can bring in revenue. And I was like, yeah, why have I never even thought about starting another business? Like I've just been so hyper-focused on growing mine that I haven't even like thought about bringing in like another passion project. Cause you've been hyper-focused. Um, That's the definition. Yeah. Cause I've just been hyper-focused. Yeah. Like it didn't even cross my mind. And so um, Seth and I, Seth Sanker, um, one of my best friends, we had been talking about doing, um, like a merch collaboration basically for a while and just like launching a merch collab to our different platforms um and let me and stop s- you for those old people that might be my age looking merch stands for what what merch what is merchandise merch? like Stuff. t-shirts yeah like Flag. t-shirts or sweaters swag yes. bags yeah um and so we were thinking about doing that and then i kind of was like well what if we made this a like long-term sustainable brand like what if we made it something like what if we just made it a business like what if we don't just do one singular drop. Like what if we make it an actual thing? And so we kind of played with that idea and Seth and I, I'm like, I I'm always very hesitant to go into business with friends or family just because it's like, I never want our relationships to be impacted it. So we had to have a lot of like honest conversations of like, Hey, we're best friends. Are we capable of having like really hard business times and not letting it affect our friendship? If something was to ever happen, it's a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, our friendship is my number one priority. So I want to make sure that like, even if the business tanks or we mess up, 
we're going to be good. Um, but we basically decided to eventually, like we eventually decided that we were going to do it. Um, which I'm really excited about because Seth and I have very similar, like business ways of running our business and strengths, but we also have very different strengths. Like Seth is amazing at content creation. He's amazing at building platforms. He loves being the face of things and he's really good at it. Um, whereas I love like backend things. I love systems. I love building out the actual business. I love, um, yeah, just kind of the businessy sides of business. And so, um, yeah, we're launching lovers, which is going to be basically just like a queer community brand. Um, and so we'll you mean be doing Louvers? like louvers yeah. louvers okay louvers okay um and we're really excited about it too because it's like um we're thinking 10 percent. we're still like hashing out the details so i don't want to like give away too many details that will be wrong um but we um like as part of the proceeds will be going to like the trevor project for queer kids um and we just really want it to be like a safe and inclusive space really for anyone um to be a part of um so we're going to be doing like a series of things outside of just the merch so it's not just going to be like an online clothing store. It's going to be more of like a community, which I'm really, really excited about. And I think it will be, I'm just really excited one to like work with my best friend and two do something that like gives back. And also three, just have something that's like really passionate and fun. Is there anything that I have not asked you that you might want to share with, I mean, that could be six other rabbit holes we could go down, but. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things to talk to people about lately is my life has rapidly, like when you think about it, like my life in two years has changed so much. And I went from like literally rock bottom to my dream life. Rock um, bottom psychologically or everything? I mean, everything. I was losing my house. I was losing my other dog. I was losing my marriage. I had a hundred dollars in my bank account. I was emotionally distraught. I was getting like diagnosis after diagnosis, mental health wise. Like it was everything was rock bottom. I feel like at that point of my life. Um, and I think sometimes when people view where I'm at, and even sometimes when I view where I'm at, I I'm kind of like, how did I do that? And I think one of the, my favorite things to talk about with people lately is when I think about like, let's say 2020 me at rock bottom, if you had shown me my life now and been like, how are you going to get there? I would have had no idea. Like I would have been like, I how are we supposed to make that happen? Like, I don't know how we're supposed to get there. And I think sometimes when people are unhappy with their life or they have this dream life, um, they think that they need to know like every step on how to get there. Or let's say like, they don't like their situation and they don't even know what the dream life is. You don't even have to know what the goal is. And my biggest piece of advice lately has been like, you don't have to know every step. You don't even have to know where you want to go, but just having the courage to look at your life and be like, what don't I like? And what can I change? And just taking like a baby step after a baby step after a baby step. Like I had no idea this is what my life was going to be. I couldn't have predicted it if I tried, but like in fall of 2019, I knew I needed to get a divorce. That was the only thing that I knew I had to change. And like, once I did that, then I knew I had to sell my house. And once I did that, I figured out I should move to LA. And after that, like, it was just a bunch of like continual steps. And I don't really know if I ever could see more than one step ahead. Like I really only knew one step ahead at any given point. So you don't have to have this all encompassing plan or knowledge, or even know the end destination, but just having the courage to like, look at your life and be like, okay, what's, what's not working. And how can I focus on changing that next? Take one step into the darkness and then take another, another, and just mm -hmm. try stuff. Yeah. There's a funny I've been hearing this a lot lately where we ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm 53. I don't, 
still know what I want to be and I'm not grown up. So to put that on kids, I think is it's done with a good intention, but I think it can stifle them or they feel like they can't reach for something bigger or better. Yeah. Well, I, I think be, lately I want to be a duck when I grow up. I don't know. I just want to be happy. That's really my only goal is like, and while I do have life goals, like I often talk to my friends about, I'm like, I'm not banking on any of those life goals. Like, that's great that that's what I want right now. But like, as long as I'm happy, I'm cool with that coming in whatever format it is. So I think it's good to have goals, but being open to the fact that like the universe or God who are whoever, they might have different plans for you. And that's okay. Cause like, even if you just on paper told me at 20, like, Hey, at 28, you're going to be, or at 27, you're going to be divorced. I would have been like, that sounds like the, the worst thing ever. Like I'll do everything I can to avoid that. And thank God I can't go back and avoid that because it's led me here. And so just being flexible to the fact that like, it's great to have goals, but just like pursuing happiness and being open to the fact that that could come in other forms. Cause it's like, I don't know where I'm going to be in 15 years. I have hopes, but like, as long as I'm happy, I don't really mind. I don't really care about what the context is. Would it be fair to say, not that you're grateful for it, the mess that your marriage was, do you think had you not gone through that, you would be where you are now? Do you think you would have pushed yourself this hard? No. Like if you'd had and this I, sweet little perfect Utah marriage. Yeah, no, I actually was talking to, about this with, to my friend the other day because I do still always, of course, like have struggles on like, why did I end up in such a horrible situation? Like, how did that, how did that happen? Or like, why did that have to happen? Um, and I was talking to my friend about it and I was like, you know what? If I had married just like an average Joe, nice Mormon guy, we got along, it was fine. I don't know if I would have ever left. Like if it was just good enough, I'm like, I don't even know if I would have left the state. Like I might've just stayed in Utah and been someone's wife for the rest of my life. And like, not that there's anything wrong with that, if that's yeah. what you want. Right. But like that, I would not have missed you. out on all of this. Like, and so it's like, I, maybe it did have to be as horrible as it was. And not that that makes it okay, obviously or good, but it's like, maybe I needed it to be as horrible as it was in order to push me to do the things that I always wanted to do. Cause even when I was married, I knew I wasn't ever going to move here. Like my ex hated, he wouldn't even visit New York with me. Like I was never going to be able to move here. And so I don't know, maybe it had to be as horrible as it was in order to wake me up into being like, nope, you know what? We have one life. So we're going to do all the things that we need to do. Well, there's that phrase. It's another cliche phrase, but it says things happen for you, not to you. Uh, I used to hear that and eh, whatever, but I believe that now. Mm -hmm. And no, I don't think any experience is wasted. That's my perspective. Yeah. I think point. it's like, I think it's like a really, I think the caveat I always give to people though, is I'm like, yeah, in hindsight, like I might've needed that in order to build the life I have now. However, I can only say that because hindsight is 2020. And like, if you're in the thick of it or like just getting out of a bad situation, please don't ever try to convince yourself that it's good. Like, or that it should be happening. Like, don't ever be like, this is fine. Cause it's building character. Like, don't do that. Like you just cause things did happen. Doesn't mean they have to like, who knows, maybe there was another situation where I could have ended up here, but when hind when I have hindsight, which I do now I'm able to appreciate where it landed me and where I landed myself. Cause I think that's something that's important too, is 
a lot of times we like to give like power to the struggle. Like, yeah, I could be like, yeah, my divorce was so good to me. My divorce, like was the best thing that ever happened to me. And it's like, no, I was the best thing that happened to myself. Like my strength and my courage is what got me here. Not my divorce. Like the power isn't handed to that situation or like anything or anyone else. Like I can be grateful for the version of me that handled those things rather than giving the power away to like the event or person. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that was awesome. That's a great cool. update. It's good to That's see your progress. It's awesome to see what you've that you what you've accomplished so early in life. I'm a little jealous that I maybe didn't figure it out sooner. You know, we all have our own paths and you know, I I I had my rock bottom five years ago, as I call it, that, that launched me into doing something better with my life and being able to take care of my family more. Yeah. But there's no, there's no age. There's no good age. There's no, there's just yeah. you, know, you change when you want to change or change when you yeah. feel it's necessary to change. Well, and- I feel like that's been a big lesson for me too, is that timelines, right? Cause it's like, yeah, you might look at me and be like, she's so young and she got it figured out so early. Whereas like, I look at, you know, kids my age right now that I like meet here in New York. I'm like, Oh, I wish I had not gotten into the situation I did when I was 20 and like wasted the first half of my twenties. Like that's like, I feel so behind. Cause I'm like, Oh gosh, like I'm having to start so much that's later only, than everyone else. That's only because you're comparing yourself to someone else, which is exactly. No, that's what dumb. I'm saying is it's like, yeah. anytime you do compare yourself to someone else to be like, Oh, I wish I'd figured it out when they did. It's just, it is what it is. Like everyone's on their own timeline. Everyone also probably feels that way about someone else. Like, it's like, there's always someone that has it better. Always. And there's always someone that has it worse. And always which keeps you the way it is always recognize that keeps it in proper perspective. Yeah. All right, Eden Strader. Thank you so much. This has been awesome to catch up with you again. You're looking good. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain one. It's free Two, There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many others. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. It is so stinking easy. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You will not be disappointed. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. You're still here? Click on the next episode for more from the Parish the Thought Show.